You know, when the Israelites went from Moses' uh, leadership to Joshua's leadership, there was a transition that had happened. They had to cross the Jordan. And they were a desert people. And so they were afraid of water. And God asked them to cross the Jordan in the flood season. You know, the Jordan normally is like a small little river that you can basically jump across. But in the flood season, it's a wide open plain. And God gave Joshua very, very key instructions. He said to him, put the Ark of the Covenant, which is representative representative of this presence of the Lord on the shoulders of the priest and let them walk into the river and let them stand there. So for a desert person, you got to know, like, uh, it's water. Do you, I don't think they could swim, huh? They couldn't swim, so they were afraid of the water. It was a rushing torrent. And so they took the presence of the Lord, they put it on their shoulders, and they walked into the water, and they stood there. And in your mind, you kind of like probably think, but hey, man, this happened like it happened with Moses in the Red Sea. You know, put your staff down, and the sea opens up, and they walk through. But the story goes, and it says that it took, the, that the water heaped up to a place called Adam, which if you look historically, and if you look at the geography of the region, was a place that was, um, I, I wasn't prepared for this, so I'm going to get it slightly wrong, but it was about 200 miles away. And if a river flows at about 20 k's an hour, they would have stood in that river for six to eight hours before it dried up. And so I want to honor Francois and I want to honor Emsley. They've stood with the presence of the Lord upon their shoulders in this river. And they've opened up. And I feel like today is the day where the Jordan has dried up. And all of us can walk across into the promised land that God has for us. I want to say to you, congregation, that today is a new season for you. That the old season of transition is past. The season where I led you is past. There is a new season ahead of you. And I would ask you as the people of the Lord to leave the old behind and to walk through the Jordan into the promised land. Because today is a new season. Sure. That was kind of hard, eh? You guys hear me? All right. So I have the privilege today of ordaining Francois. Ah, ordaining, not Francois. Well, in a certain sense, I mean, we're sending Francois off. But ordaining Hannes and uh, Mariska into leading this congregation and releasing Francois from his responsibility of leading you guys and sending him off to a different part of the field and blessing him as they go on. And so as I was preparing for this morning, I just felt the Lord say to me that I need to speak, speak on one of the basic doctrines of the faith, which is the doctrine of the laying on of hands. And why is it important for us that we as Christians understand what this elementary or basic doctrine is so that we can do it because in it there is great power. And so why don't you turn in your Bibles with me to uh, Hebrews 6 verse 1. Just as I, I lay a foundation for what we're going to be doing today, and so that you can understand why we do it, what is the significance of laying on of hands, what is the effect of it in our lives, and how do we work this thing out. And so it says there in Hebrews 6 verse 1, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God and of instructions about washings, 
Other translations will say baptisms, instructions about baptisms, not just baptism. Uh, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal ju judgment in the next verse. And this we will do if God permits. And so we see there that Paul says there are these six doctrines that we have to understand, that we have to know, that we have to live in order for us to progress in our Christian walk. If I can go back to the first verse, please. And just this is why it's important for us. We have to let leave the elementary doctrine. Now you go to elementary school. Now elementary school is not preschool. This kinder. Kindergarten, eh? elementary school is the elementary phase of your education. That's up to like grade six or grade eight in school. And so recently what happened with us during COVID is, is we took our kids out of school because it was just chaos and our kids weren't getting an education. And so we started homeschooling them. And that's been a journey. Uh, we now know why teachers get paid. <laughs> and if you're a teacher, bless you. It has been a joy, and it's been great to connect with our children, and it's been a joy for us to be with them these last three years. But thank you, Jesus, that they're back in school. <laughs> but to my surprise, when I was speaking, because now we've taken them out of government school, we've now gone into a homeschooling curriculum with Cambridge. So we've changed from CAPS to Cambridge, and now we're putting them back into an IEB system, which is kind of like CAPS. Sorry, you're getting strangled in the details here. So me, I was like, okay, are they going to accept what we've done? Or are they going to expect our children to go three years back and, you know, kind of like go back to grade five or seven or whatever they were? And so I spoke to some educational um, experts and they said all that they want out of the, the basic or the elementary phase of teaching is, is they must be able to read, they must be able to write, and they must be able to do basic math. Division, subtraction, addition, and that one. I'm a pharmacist. I only have to be able to count in threes. <laughs> and so I want to say to you, that is what Paul's speaking about here. This is the basics of the faith. You know, you can build upon everything else, but if you don't have the basics in place, then you won't understand the more complex stuff. And sometimes in our Christian walks, we can get stuck because we don't understand the basics. And so if you don't understand the power and the impact that laying on of hands has for us, and I was saying this is not just something of ordination, this is something that we apply for every Christian that we lay hands upon, the significance of it is if you don't understand that power is transferred, Holy Spirit is trans power is transferred, that is not just a symbolic act, but it's an act in which God works through us into other people to encourage, to commission, to give power, if we don't know that and if we don't practice that. We will end up powerless and confused, and we will end up not moving forward. And that's what that word maturity is there. It's telietos. It means to move from one grade to the next. And so this is why it's important for us as a congregation, as a people of God, to understand that this is something that needs to be practiced. This is something that you need to ask for when you feel in need of the significance of the things that... Um, and we'll go into it now. So you, are you guys are getting me? So it's important. The other thing is it's important for your foundation. And if you build a house on a bad foundation, like unfortunately my house has been built. With, there seems to have been renovations in my house. And there's a flatlet that was built onto my house. But that flatlet seems to now be moving away. <laughs> I don't know where it's, I know we're moving, but I don't know, the flatlet shouldn't move with us. 
And so if we don't apply the basic doctrines well, it might also be that there's a tearing, there's a moving away from the foundation of which is Christ, in which is your salvation, in which is your purpose, in which is your destiny, in which is your call, in which is your fellowship, in which is your protection. And so we, if we don't understand this doctrine, you might tear away in relationship. You might tear away from the purpose and the destiny and the call that God has for us. And so these things, and I hope I've really laid it down now, is really important. And so as we go in, we're going to do a brief, high-level, biblical survey of the doctrine of laying on of hands, starting with the patriarchs, going to Moses and the prophets, looking at Jesus' life, looking at the... Uh, uh, the book of Acts and the epistles, and then we'll get a good idea of what this means for us and what it does for us and why we should pray for one another and lay hands upon one another. That sounds really long because that's the whole Bible. So fasten your seatbelts, grab your Red Bulls. I'm, I, no, I'm joking. This is going to be a really brief biblical survey. And so we can't go into depth. I will mention scripture, but we cannot read every scripture. Is that all right? And so we see how this thing starts. We see it in Genesis 12, how it starts. It starts with a man called Abraham. Well, it starts with Adam, but let's go past and then Noah and then Abraham. A man that hears God. And a man that then actually decides in faith to act upon the voice that speaks inside of his heart. And God says that's credited to him as righteousness. And he moves from his father's house at the age of 75 into a land which the Lord will show him. And as he goes through Genesis 12 to Genesis 25, his journey, there's this progressive growth of his understanding of what God has called him to. And God makes promises to him. He makes promises that he will give him a land, the promised land. The land where they're fighting right now. He makes promises to him that he will give him a, legis a legacy. That he will give him children and that he would be the father of many nations. And that through him many kings would come. And that ultimately through him the ultimate king will come. The king who we are waiting for. The king Jesus who is coming back upon the clouds to reign and rule and bring peace and justice to this earth. Of which there is very little at the moment. And that through him, all the nations of the world will be blessed. That he will not be the father of just one nation, but that he will be the father of many nations. And that is us people. And then you see his son Isaac lays his hands upon Jacob and he blesses him. And through the laying on of hands, the touching, the pronouncing of the blessing, the laying of the hand, there's a transfer of the faith that was broken open by Abram and the action that was lived out and the covenant that was established and the promise of God, it's transferred to Isaac. And then there's a, that's Genesis 27. And then a Genesis later, which I forgot the scripture. It's after because Jacob came after Isaac. So it's Genesis later. I can get it for you, but... <laughs> this is like previously in Lost. <laughs> previously in the life of the patriarchs. There was a prayer and a blessing. But then Isaac prays and lays his hands and the blessing is transferred to Joseph. And, and so it continues. And then we see in Exodus, this pattern continues. And so Aaron lays his hands upon his sons and they are ordained into the priestly office. And so we see the first conclusion we can reach out of Genesis is that the blessing is transferred from the father to the son regarding the purpose, the destiny, and the call that God has for us.
That's the first thing that, that laying on of hands does. Is it takes you out of not having a purpose, not having a destiny, not knowing what is the meaning of your life, and it puts you into this family, actually the family of Abraham. So when hands is laid upon you, whether it be at salvation or whether it be at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that is the first thing. And so the implication of that is, is that you are not a lost thought in the Southeaster. Because we have had a lot of Southeasters. You are not just here without purpose and without meaning. The Lord has picked you, He has made you, and He has put you inside of a place with purpose and destiny. And so if you are sitting here this morning and you feel like you've... You don't know where you fit. You feel like you're kind of like a little, like I felt kind of like the last two years. Like just in transition. What, Lord? I used to do that. Now I'm here. I feel frustrated. I feel like just like a lost thought. Who wants to be around a lost thought? No one. It's miserable and it stinks. And so if you're feeling like that, get your brothers and sisters around you. Get your elders around you. Get the people of God around you. Let them pray for you, prophesy of you, and lay their hands on you. You don't have to be there. And here's a little testimony. We felt like that kind of like three months after we started with this whole new thing, and it was confusing. And so I phoned Ross. I said, Ross, bro, like, listen, I feel so droog so a para in the I said, well, you're coming down to Cape Town. I'll get a couple of guys around, like, and they'll pray and prophesy. And the guys did it one afternoon, like 30 minutes. Laid their hands on us, prophesied and prayed, and I walked out of there. I thought, yes, like, I just had a shower. Energized, full of vision. And unfortunately, that faded a bit. I should have asked for prayer. I should have asked for prayer. No one is above asking. Ask and you shall receive. So if you feel like that, you don't have to. Okay. Then we see Moses, Aaron, they, there's ordination of a priesthood, there's ordination of the Levites, and all this happens by the laying on of hands. There's a desire that's birthed, and there's an anointing that comes, and then there's power that's given. And we see that in Exodus 27. We actually see that also in 1 Kings 18 verse 6, I think, where Elijah, it says that the hand of the Lord was upon him, and he took his skirt. You know, Elijah was in a skirmish with the prophets of Baal. You guys know that story. And he killed them all, and then he was, the rain was going to come because it was like a drought for many years. And the hand of the Lord was upon Elisha, and he picked up his skirts, and he ran quicker than what a chariot could. So what the anointing does, what the laying, when the Lord's hand is upon you through the people of faith, there's an empowering that comes to you. Your engine changes from a, these small little cars these days, these Suzukis, these one liter engines. I mean, they're very efficient, but geez, like, they can't pull a trailer or a caravan. They can't take people with them. They can't accomplish much. And so when we lay hands on you, when people lay hands on you, there's an empowering that comes that changes your engine from a one-liter Suzuki into a 2.5 TDI diesel. And so that's another thing that, that happens to us is, is sometimes we, we, we want to do ministry, we, we, we want to work for the Lord, but we just feel, I just don't have the power. I just don't have the strength. Or maybe you've been in this church and you've been ministering for a long time, like Aiden. Aiden's been in this church forever. He's the keeper of the archives. 
or Lynn or Auntie Sammy or Uncle Jeff, or maybe you've been a com leader for five years and you're just like, I've had it. Or kids church working, you're like, if I see one more child, I'm going to throw them out that window. I'm so tired of ministering for the Lord. I'm like, I'm over this. Because sometimes it's works of faith, but sometimes it's labor of love. And your works sometimes turn to labor. When you get to your place of labor, when you get to that place where you want to, like Esau, give up your birthright for a little bit of soup. You don't have to. You don't have to struggle. Get the community of faith around you. Let them lay their hands on you. Let them re-envision you. Don't give up. I want to sing that song. It's a Cindy Lauper song. <laughs> it's about not giving up. And I'm not going to sing it for you. Never leave. <laughs> yeah, don't stop believing because anything's possible through the Spirit, but that's not possible. And, and so there's an empowerment that happens with the laying on of hands, which we, we see then in the Bible. Okay, you, you will be happy to know that now we're with Jesus. We've done the whole Old Testament. And so we see... <laughs> that was quick, eh? <laughs> and then we see Jesus, laying his, Jesus practicing this. We see it all throughout the Gospels. They bring the sick, they bring the lame, they bring the blind, and Jesus lays their hands upon them and they healed. And if you do a little bit of a word study on healing or sickness, well, not on healing, on sickness specifically, it's interesting that you, sickness is always... Um, written as the negative. It's written like this, not strength. So illness is portrayed in a biblical sense, not having strength. Not strength. So Jesus lays his hands upon them and he imparts strength. Gives you a different idea of sickness. Because right? when we think about sickness, we think about bugs and viruses and stuff. But the power of the Lord through the blood of Jesus Christ that has been opened up on the cross for us brings a healing power into us that transforms this living body to align itself with the plan and the purpose that the Lord has for your life according to the will of the Lord for you for the day. And so when we lay our hands on people, people will get healed. It's a promise that we received within Mark 16. But that is subject to the will of the Lord. And that could be a long theological discussion because unfortunately all of us are going to die, right? So sometimes we might get sick, but it's the Lord's will that people be healed. It's the Lord's will that people will be strong. But we will transition to be with him unless Jesus comes before we get to that place. And so the laying on of hands is also for an importation of strength for our physical bodies. We also see with Jesus that he, he, the, he, laid his, he embraced the children and he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. And so if you know the story out of Matthew 17, is the disciples wanted to prevent the children from coming to Jesus. Because the children were a nuisance. Jesus had better things to do. He had the lepers to heal and he, had the, he was on a mission. And the disciples wanted to prevent this pushed away, marginalized, ooh, marginalized group of people to not coming to Jesus. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, no, 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 let the children come to me. Let those that have been pushed aside, those that are not strong, those that are not desirable, those that we do not want. 
and in our in our context, children are, are highly uh, esteemed, but in that culture, they weren't as highly esteemed. But in our culture, there are people that are not as highly esteemed. It might be an economic reason. It might be the poor. It might be a cultural reason. It might be a reason of race. And so Jesus says, let them come. And we should, as the people of God, lay our hands on those that we might not naturally associate with or have a desire to be with and include them in the promise that the Lord has for us. Then we also see Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration when uh, John and Peter is there with them and Moses and Elijah um, appears and Peter wants to build them a little tent and then the voice of the Lord comes out from heavens and it says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And Jesus' face lights up and the disciples are petrified and they fall on their face. And the Bible says that Jesus walks over to them and he says, to, lays his hands on them and he comforts them. So when we lay our hands on people, we comfort them. And sometimes the call of God and the destiny, the listening of the Lord, the faith moment where God asked you to do something, whether it be to pray for someone that you don't know, whether it is maybe if you're a new believer and for the first time you feel that spirit of the Lord leading you to maybe pray within a congregation or within a community for the first time, or to step out in some sort of faith. Maybe it, the Lord might put it on your heart to bless someone else financially. And you've got to take that step of faith. And we've got to be we've got to listen. And when we low in faith, we impart faith by the laying on of hands. Is that all right? Are you guys still with me? In the community of faith, we stir faith. If your faith is low, do not be disobedient to the Lord. It's that small, still voice inside of your heart. Just like Abram's small, still voice inside of his heart. Leave your father's house. Leave the comfort of where you have been and follow me into, an, into something that is new for you. Something that you haven't experienced. Something that could be fearful, like Peter getting out of the boat. Maybe it might be serving in the church in some form of capacity. I don't know what the Lord's laying on your heart, but if you're struggling to be obedient, if you're struggling to get out of the boat, then ask the brothers and sisters. You don't have to struggle alone, but be obedient and find resource to be obedient because that is credited to you as righteousness. It is when we are in Christ Remain in him. Remain in the small, still voice that is counted to us as righteousness, just like Abram. Now, I'm not saying that if you're obedient, disobedient once or twice, that you're not in the covenant and you're not with Jesus. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that we should be an habitual people that is looking for the will of God and following it as it is portrayed to us through the special gifts of the Holy Spirit, as well as the written word of the scriptures, as well as the community of faith, as well as what the elders and those that are over you feel in the Lord for you. Those are four things that help us to remain on track within the purpose of the Lord for our lives. And then we see in the, in the book of Acts and the epistles is that the, the church grows, the apostles can't do the work, they lay their hands upon the deacons, they transfer, they ordain them into an office with, with authority, with responsibility. And as they do that, the church explodes 
and there's just a revival that takes place. The apostles go down to where the revival is happening through Philip, and they lay their hands on the people, and the spirit, and people are getting baptized, speaking in tongues, and there's such visible power that this man, Simon the Sword, says, give me that, I want to buy it with power. As I want to say that through the laying on of hands, there's an ordination, there's a platform that gets produced, but there's also this, this power of the spirit that gets given to us. And it's a visible thing. And I think that's kind of it, eh? Maybe we can still look at Timothy. Timothy, who wasn't a very bold man. And in 1 Timothy 4.14, it says, Paul says, Do not neglect the gift you have, which has been given you by prophecy, with the council of elders as they laid their hands on you, and that gift was imparted to you. So they, we also have a responsibility that to steward the gift that gets given us by the laying on of hands. And so what is it that we see? Well, we see that there's blessing that gets transferred. We see that there's power that gets transferred. We see there's comfort that comes. We see there's understanding that comes. We see that there's this, it's basically receiving the Holy Spirit who will lead and guide us into the perfect will of God for our lives. And so now what? Well, I want to say to you that if you're sitting here this morning and you're feeling like you're not quite within the purpose of the Lord for your life, you feel like you're just kind of like hanging around and you may be fearful, maybe you, you're not as amped about church as what you could be or what you should be or what you've been in the past. Maybe you're facing things like you feel like you just can't get through them. I want to say God has given us this basic elementary doctrine that we should pray for one another, lay hands on each other, and actually energize one another, envision one another, put faith within our hearts. And that is for us to do. And so this morning as we wrap this up, that is for us to do one to another.